This episode is brought to you by the Enneagram 5 community. Join our free community to get early access to episodes, attend live community events, and meet other Enneagram 5s like you. Visit the link in the description to learn more. We'll see you over there. So, Cody. Yeah? Why are you such a weirdo? Years of practice. Okay, so we're talking about belonging and specifically how we as fives tend to just always feel like we're outside of the group. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit. Living on the fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I I have always, it it doesn't help that I grew up in a family of weirdos. Like, yeah, (laughs) we're just always thinking about things differently than the people around us usually and um, it's definitely doing, a disadvantage yeah, yeah. doing things differently and um I sp- like i've shared with before i spent a lot of my time very isolated from society was it used to it used to really bother me and now i'm, I'm kind of grateful for it in some ways i mean there are definitely hmm. things that would have changed um about it but um it's helped me not hold beliefs as tightly i realize that um, mm, interesting and, and not be and not um being as scared to uh, be outside the group, you know, so that that tribalism that can kick in. I think I'm a little more resistant to it for having spent my life, most of my life outside of a tri- the tribes that I wanted to be in, you know. But uh, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted us to dig into that a little bit. What it means to belong. Why we might feel that way as fives. Yeah, I'm, and, and it's kind of interesting. I would be interested to see if that is the case with a lot of people that that identify as a five like is that would they say that their would they say that their their family life was also different from those that they knew you know yeah i don't know um it, 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 for whatever reason various reasons um because i would say that my family life was also like that I, I wasn't quite as isolated probably as you were in in the same ways that you were but then in other ways you know mentally and emotionally my parents definitely had this whole idea of which I've talked about in the last season about how, um, you know, educationally and stuff. I mean, I was homeschooled for after the third grade. I was, there was a lot of things about that, that, that lifestyle that does isolate you for sure. And I've often thought about how different, would I be different if I went to public school my entire life? You know, if I was never homeschooled, if I, you know, would I be different or or I, I definitely would be different, but how would I be different? Yeah. You know, would I still have grown up and be, somehow in the same place as I am now. I don't know, maybe, probably, because I would just have a different reason for <laughs> why I would feel isolated. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's a strange thing for sure and feeling um, always like, I, re- I definitely remember in high school going to like homecoming dances and stuff. And 
if I didn't have somebody that I was going with, even if I did, then it, it was just a different experience, but it always kind of ended the same, which is that I was always on the outside looking in. And of course, high school, middle school and high school is a challenge all on its own for any any child going through that, right? Like that's such a weird, challenging time yeah. to try to figure out yourself. And the few that figure out how to be confident and not care about what other people think are the people who are either incredibly popular or are very much the opposite, but end up being awesome when they're adults. <laughs> um, and so, and I was neither. I was definitely the kid who didn't know how to be myself and definitely didn't, wasn't comfortable dancing because what, it, what would that look like? And what would other people say? And, you know, all that. So I ended up being the person that was, you know, oftentimes leaning up against the wall and observing everybody and tearing them apart and figuring out what I liked or didn't like. And then from that experience, moving on and putting those pieces together to form the next version of myself for the next dance or the next situation <laughs> that I found myself in, right? Yep. Uh, you know, what What was accepted in that situation? What did that look like? What did that feel like? And you know, you just kind of construct those, those, uh, those masks that you're going to wear based on what you've observed, I guess. Um, but, but you're never part of a group, which is funny because we both came from religious background, which we've talked about a lot. And I'm, I never felt like I was a part of a group, even especially in church groups, like small groups, all those things. Like I always felt like an alien in every group I was ever in. I never felt like I belonged. Now, of course, now I know why, but <laughs> back then I was, I was giving it my all. I was like all or nothing trying to be the best version of whatever I could be for them and, and for that situation. And you know, it could be easily argued that maybe I wasn't being authentic with myself or with whatever. And maybe that's why I felt that way. But I feel that way in any context. And this sense of like belonging is almost a utopia that feels like it's the mirage in the desert that is always going away the closer you get to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because they're out in the Enneaverse, right? There's a lot of, um, <laughs> A lot of people who want to consider themselves experts and mm. want to um, prescribe types to people over the internet. And I think it was just the antithesis of Enneagram. Right. right. <laughs> um, and I've had, you know, now having an Enneagram podcast, which was never really the point of this. Uh, we really just started this to uh get together and have fun conversations with each other and yeah and hopefully share that and help um help other people kind of you know go through the same journeys that we've been going on but we one of the criticisms of us and specifically me that i found is uh there are some people that claim that i'm not a five and one of the things they like to do is they like to take little things that i say and use that as an example of like a five would never say that and mm. or five would never do that or five would never feel this way. And um, I'm going to go on the soapbox for just a little bit where mm -hmm. I, like, I obviously we're not Enneagram experts, but um, we're fives. And so we like to research things and we are, are yeah. at least know enough that we know that the, the, the great thing about the Enneagram is that it's, it's fluid. It's dynamic. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's not, little boxes that you put people in it's like that's the opposite of what the purpose of the tool is 
Yeah. And um, which in and of itself, just that point alone infuriates you when someone tries to one, say you're not what you say you are, which is already against the Enneagram's <laughs> concept. And then two, trying to put you in a box anyway. Right. And honestly, I don't care because it's some random person on the internet. Right. And you know, if, even if I weren't a five and I like, I really wouldn't care. I really would just, I'd find that interesting if I thought I was a five this whole time and then end up being something else. But I usually just laugh at them or troll them back or just ignore them. That's yeah. really what I should do because I've learned, I've that's had a, to learn not to feed the trolls. Yeah. That's when you're in the healthier list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, one of the, the main arguments is that fives, true fives don't feel this way. They don't feel that they're um they're outside of a group that they like they they recognize themselves as um being so separate that there's there's no desire for that connection and for that belonging and i just want to call bs on that because at the end of the day we're all social primates like it's, it's we're still human beings it's baked right. into our dna yep that this is a part of the human experience. We, we we cannot survive alone. And we know that at our like cellular level. And and yeah. so we're always going to at some to some degree have this feeling that we want to be, we want to connect with others um, in some way. And so if you're a five and you've heard that argument, like just set it aside because uh like I, I think that's bullshit. Well, and, and I think too, like it could be argued pretty easily. I think that the healthier you, the, the healthier you, the more, the more you move up the levels of health, right. And the more that you, you, you get into different places, of course, it's a ladder you go up and down it all the time, but there's certain, there's, I feel there's certain times in my life where I'm totally fine, not being a part of a group. In mm -hmm. fact, maybe even relish in that. Right. But then there are other times where like, I can fully acknowledge the need for community and for um family whether it's family that is by blood or family that you choose you still need that in your life to 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 remain in the healthy levels and yeah so i think that's a really important thing to recognize in the fact that like and it's okay to be in all of the places because there's 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 things to learn and things to experience in all of those levels but to to shame somebody who's actually in a place where they can acknowledge the need for others that doesn't Every, every number in the Enneagram need, has that same need. It just expresses differently <laughs> based on your core, like needs and yeah. whatever. And, and I'll say one of the, one of the ways that it shows up for me the most, when I most recognize it is when I get, um, when I get onto a specific topic that just like really captures mm -hmm. my interest and I go deep on it and go down all the rabbit holes and I start learning all this stuff and I'm like, I want to talk to someone about this mm -hmm. and yes. no one else around me has any interest or like is on the opposite side and doesn't want to talk about it. And so like, I, you know, and so I have no one to share these things with. And that I think is when I feel the loneliest, mm. when I feel like I'm kind of out there on this Island where like, I want to explore these ideas and bounce them off with people and like, you know, have someone else get ex as excited about the topic as, as I do. Uh, and when I don't have that, which is, I rarely am in a place where I'm, I'm around people who at that time are in the same things that I'm into and it feels really lonely. Yeah. Like really lonely. And I haven't figured out what to do about that. Honestly, like outside of religion, I've not learned how to truly build a community and be part of a community. Like 
that's why actually the closest thing that we've got to that is the community that we started for this podcast, like around this podcast, that, the one that we have. Um, and that's the closest that we kind of get with that in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, it's true. It's like <laughs> when we do our other podcasts for the premium listeners, the after hours, it's like a family reunion every time the same <laughs> people show up and it's like, hey, we know each other. <laughs> <laughs> we all see the world similarly. Yeah. <laughs> but also really differently too. We have some really interesting conversations right. because true. the one thing that I, I love about five, which is funny because when we first started all of this, the, the idea of trying to start a community for fives seemed like an oxymoron. Like, yes. <laughs> and it still does at times. <laughs> it does. But it's, it's also really awesome because we're, we all have our own little nerdy things that we are super into. And it'll yeah. come out in conversations and sometimes people bring stuff up and we're like, I don't even know what to say to that, but that's cool. And then like sometimes <laughs> then we all just get obsessed over some specific topic and talk about it forever. And it's about what you would expect with a group of fives getting together and, and hanging out. Can you imagine a conference of all of us yeah. together in one room? Yeah. God, I don't even know how I would entertain that many people in a room. <laughs> I have some ideas. It might actually happen <laughs> at some point. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> see how season three goes. <laughs> If we're having this conversation, we're talking about belonging, right? And we've talked about, um, in other episodes, we've talked about, we attribute meaning to things, right? I don't, I don't know how I would define, like, how do you define family? Hmm. Like, how do you, how do you define the people that you want to be a part of? Yeah. I don't know. Like in, in your, in your ideal, like in your mind, the ideal group of people that you want to be a part of looks like blank. Hmm. A group where nobody gets offended would be the start. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think that, that, that there's a lot of pieces that have to come together for that to happen in which everybody is also respect respecting one another's right. yeah. needs and, and does, and, uh, overall feelings, which fives don't often do also, I would think, I mean, it, that's, that, that's just from my pers perspective. I, I happen to. I, I tend to not, in, in my past especially, not consider other people's feelings before something comes out of my mouth. And um, <laughs> I, I feel like now when that happens, if I do say something that is offensive, it's actually usually an emotional and impulsive response. It's not, it's when I don't think through what I'm about to say. And most of the time these days, I am thinking through what I'm about to say almost all the time. And in a day, in this day and age where we text most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes our thoughts are a little too thought out before we say them, I think. And so, you know, it, it kind of is a different challenge. Yeah. So I think I might actually be saying the opposite of what you're saying, because I, I'm the same way when I'm kind of in the groups where I don't really feel like I belong. There's a lot of energy put towards trying to figure out like, okay, where are the lines? What are the social cues? Mm. You know, where, what are the okay. things to say, what not to say? Yeah. I want to be a part of a group where like, it doesn't matter. Like nobody takes anything personally. And we, you know, we have enough of a, sh a mutual respect and enough of a shared understanding where we realize that, hey, like, we're going to say stuff that's just going to come out really dumb and or like really insensitive. And like, that's OK. Like nobody's taking it personally. We can just continue to talk and work through things and and not have to worry about, you know, constantly trying to to frame things in a way that other people will, will receive in a certain way, because you can't you can't control how other people receive things, right? You can do your best to be in good faith, try to, you know, have a conversation and be considerate. Um, but at yeah. the end of the day, like you have no control over whether someone's going to interpret something in the opposite way that you meant it or, or yeah. whatever. So, well, uh, I could even add on to that and say, 
um, that not only would that be nice, I'd say that a more realistic version of that would probably be people that you could have in your life that even when you do say something that might offend them, you have enough of a um, history or reputation with that person that it doesn't end the relationship. Sure, yeah. Right? Um, which, and we've gone through phases like that in our life, knowing sure. each other for like going on what, 15 years or something. Yep. Um, you know, and both years ago and recently. <laughs> and so I think that, um, at the end of the day, that, that matters to me more than anything is that it, like, n you're never going to be in a situation because fives like to pretend they don't have feelings, but we do have feelings as we've hopefully established in this podcast. And also if we've heard from other people and everybody has feelings, another part of a human experience. And, um, and there's no way to, to get around that. There's, doesn't matter what situation you're in, you're always going to eventually press somebody's buttons that you didn't know <laughs> that was, it was going to do that. Right. Cause sometimes that stuff is maybe deep seated things that you didn't even know was there or they didn't know was there. Yeah. And as soon as you say it, it like brings up all this emotion they didn't realize. And then here they are thinking with their amygdala and they're not <laughs> no longer thinking <laughs> logically. Um, so I think that the, the, the better scenario is that you have the freedom to speak how you want, knowing that the other person is on the same page with you, that even if it does offend them, you can talk it out and it doesn't end the relationship. say I have pockets of places where I fit in, but no overarching community where I fit in. And I thought long and hard about this question. And there were communities where I, I would have said I fit in traditionally, but upon greater reflection, I have realized that I've always been a little bit of a, of a nomad when it comes to communities. And I just sort of flit between different communities instead of finding one that I can fit into, mostly because I, there hasn't been one community that, that I feel like I can fit into seamlessly and wholeheartedly. Um, there's always been things that it's like, yeah, I like this part of this community. I enjoy this aspect of them, but these parts don't really line up with me and who I am and how I think. And so I'm kind of a perpetual wanderer. I'm not particularly lost, but I'm just sort of always finding new places to, to be and to learn from. So then really what we're talking about here in how we might define family or a community is commitment. Mm, yes. It's making that decision. You know, we're sticking together regardless. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's going to be times when we probably want to kill each other. <laughs> but, yeah. But we're going to work through that. And I think that that's why, you know, the the, the nuclear family bond can be so strong is because that's sort of baked in, in in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, And that's so when people say family, that's usually what they're referring to. But. I think at its essence, it's more about that commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that sometimes for, for me, it took me a long time to realize that in my life, what that looked like. Um, because my family, it was easy for me to be that way. 
because no one really that's not that's not a class you take it's not something that you know you you learn it's something that you just know and as a kid and growing up and that that's your family and you have this feeling this bond that you can't explain that like you always are on their side to some degree mm. um even when it doesn't make sense and so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which has definitely happened and so i think that that's something for me that was really hard to uh, learn in my adult years of what that commitment actually can look like and how it manifests in different uh, contexts, especially intimate relationships. I mean, if when I was going through phases of dealing with highs and lows of emotional, um, you know, likely bipolar tendencies while also being a five and losing that control, also not knowing what commitment looks like to somebody my intimate relationships, anybody I was dating or anything like that was a mess. <laughs> and ended every three to four months. <laughs> so for the most part, and I think that that, and so in many ways, my friendships were like that too. Um, I never intended to have long-term relationships. I don't think, I don't think that was ever something that I thought about because I didn't know if it was really possible. And, you know, I grew up and my best friend from childhood died when I was a teenager. So like, that was the only friend that I really had and the rest of that family I was close to, but like, not like I was with him. And so, and he had four siblings. And so I was close to all of them to some degree. They lived across the street from me, essentially in the same neighborhood. So we grew up together, but I wasn't close to them like I was with him. So it was kind of like once he died, everything kind of split. And that was my, that was the only construct when I was a kid of, of what I thought of as like a community or family or whatever. In fact, they were the reason I went to church for the first time because mm -hmm. their uncle started a church that I went to. And that's how I started going to church at nine years old and being indoctrinated at a young age. And so when all of that broke apart 10 years later, like, I, I think that was probably the first fracture for me, both with religion and the constructs I had of community and, and family and um, outside of my own family. And of course, in everything else that we've ever talked about on this podcast, that was probably the first crack, right, is when I was like 19 years old. And so trying to figure out and navigate what that looks like afterwards was a mess. It was just hard to figure out. I couldn't figure it out. And even now, like, <laughs> you know, my mom is, can be a bit of a, a, an impulsive person, um, when it comes to relationships and conversations and things that she says, especially if she's reacting, she's not a five, she's a four. So it's a little different. Um, and so I, the, the examples that I had, even from my, my blood related family is, is different from my own. I mean, you know, my dad is a five and my brother's a five. And we all kind of handle everything the same way. My dad, yeah, my dad is, uh, in, in many ways is like me, I guess, to some degree, he has proximity friends. I, I, it seems like he's become really good friends with his neighbor in, in their new place that they live. And so, um, and his neighbor helps him out a lot and all that stuff. And so I know he appreciates that, but if it wasn't for that, like he pretty much stays at home and plays video games on his computer when he's not working. And I, I a lot of days that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> um, but I also know at the place that I'm in my life that if I was in that, if I was in that place, I would be at the unhealthy levels because I yeah. would be disregarding and just not worrying about other people. Yeah. I think, I think it's time to mention that like, there's another side of this, which is when we're not part of a group or community, it's easy to, um, have that, that longing, but also once we get into some kind of a group, at least my experience has been, usually it kind of drives me crazy. Mm. There's very, very few times when I've actually found more than a couple of people that I, I enjoy having a conversation with and hanging out with. Like it's really 
rare that I, I find people like that. I think it's also a good time to uh, acknowledge the fact that we both have remote jobs. Yeah. And I've never been happier working at a place <laughs> because I have control over when I see them yep. for the most part, or at least hang out with them, right? Like next week, literally, I'm the first time my company's getting everybody together and we're like 200 plus people. So I'm really interested to see how it goes, but we just had a group a few months, a couple months ago where we had just like our sales team to get together and that was like 35, 40 people. And that was an interesting dynamic because I liked people that I didn't know, I didn't think I would like, and then I didn't like people that I thought I would like. Mm. And so it's really interesting. And uh, for those who, I know some people I work with listen to this podcast, uh, I'm gonna, let, let's just say it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, people just recently figured out in my company that I have a podcast, so they've all just been discovering it. In fact, they all want me to do an Enneagram workshop, and I'm like, I am not an Enneagram expert. Isn't you missed the point of my podcast? <laughs> and but, anytime someone at work um, asks me about my podcast, I try to make it sound as boring as possible. <laughs> so no <laughs> I did not do that. I'm too. I'm too proud of it. I think I'm like too excited about. Well, it. I'm like. I'm like. We we share some real personal stuff. So if you really want to get to know me, that's what I say. Yeah. And everybody loves that. They're like, oh my god. And so yeah. I don't tell people that because I'm oh. like. That's what I've said. <laughs> and so I, in, in my mind, I think that sounds boring. <laughs> I would, if somebody told me that about their podcast, I'd be like, cool, I'm out. <laughs> I don't need to know that. <laughs> um, but I've had like a good handful of people come back to me being like, I love this, this podcast. Well, I've learned so much about you. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> But I don't yeah, know, maybe it's you a can't you can't control right like what the, but in the same way in the same well I guess I am kind of controlling it right because I'm editing the podcast well, later point yeah um, and so in that way I honestly kind of turn the tables a little bit am I filtering it am I doing that on purpose and mm -hmm. being like this is my way of like th putting all the cards on the table that I wanted you to see so that I don't have to deal with it in person for real like I don't have to deal with it I'm like jump starting the relationship like jumping over some leapfrogging as you would say yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a hack. It's a, it's a hack to the, the closer relationships mm. um, without actually having to have the conversations. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe I should start telling them to listen to it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you build more loyalty. Um, you're higher up on the food chain than I am in, in, in the work workforce. So. It's a little bit of a different dynamic for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> and, and, but in that way, you might build more loyalty. People will feel more connected to you without you having to do the work. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't really struggle with that. I'm a very inspiring person. <laughs> Your pep talks are A plus award winning. <laughs> no, most of the time at work, I just feel like I'm talking incoherently and then somehow it magically works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I get that. I get that for sure. But all that to say, I think that um, for fives, remote work, honestly, is the best. It's the weirdest balance. Yeah, it, it ha comes with its own struggles, right? Like all, and anybody who does remote work, I think it comes with its own struggles of isolation. We were just talking about that literally before this episode um, and trying to figure out how to, how to feel connected to the world because you're always in one room for most of your day, every single day. And that's definitely, uh, it can easily push you into the uh, lower levels of being a five and isolation becomes more attractive because you're around it and doing it all the time. So coming back around, is there a time where you felt like you've belonged? I would, I would say now, oddly enough. I mean, for the like most right now in this, in this moment or <laughs> in this moment with you together <laughs> alone, uh, 
just gen- generally in in my in my life, I would say that um, you know it's funny because every time that I start to feel like I have a group of people that I really like, something always happens that makes me doubt whether or not I want those people in my life. <laughs> you know, generally, I think that that's the case. Um, there's a there's a handful of people I would say like you and a couple other people I kind of see in my life as constants that are always around. But then everybody outside of that, there's things that they'll do. That were like I might go from one day where I'm like, I think we get along so well, like I would live with you, and then the next day I'm like, I would never live with you. Like, why? What was I thinking yesterday? Like, that's a terrible idea. All these red flags pop up, and uh, anytime that I feel like I'm paying attention, then I feel like there's all these things that I don't like about them. But I think it comes back around to that commitment aspect. Um, mm-hmm. If you see the pros of what that person brings into your life and you see that it outweighs the cons, um, sometimes the commitment that you decide, I, I very consciously make commitments to people in my life at this point. And so because of that reason, I think that I feel more, a, a little bit more of a belonging. I still struggle with it all the time. But when I step back and I pause and I say, you know what, let's just stop the feelings that I'm thinking right now. What do I have to be grateful for? And if I go down that list, I usually start realizing that I'm currently a part of a small group of friends that I really appreciate. Hmm. And so a lot of times for me, I think I probably would have felt like I belonged a lot more and that I was a part of community if I just stopped and was grateful for it. Yeah. And uh, which I've also, I've often thought about, and we were kind of talking about this before we started, we hit record, I guess, but are are we really on the outside all the time or do we just think we're better than everybody? (laughs) And because like, I think that sometimes I just get into my own head and it's easy to kind of be filled with arrogance in that way because we are so cerebral and we all, we just like what you were saying, right? Like you dive into something, you want to talk about it because you know exponentially more than anybody else you know about whatever a is right right? sure um whatever the thing is and you don't feel like you have anybody to tell because no one gives a shit and (laughs) right um and so that feels isolating but also with some of that probably comes a little bit of arrogance right and a little bit of like pomp of right of like coming into something you just want to tell somebody something you want to be i this is at least me I love talking about something that I know because I know they don't know it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, you know, I think that another piece of it is one thing that I've learned in my life is that success means nothing if you don't have someone to share it with. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of fits in that same category where when I feel like I'm starting to figure something out, I want to share it with someone because I... Like I find joy in that mm. and I want to share that joy. Yeah. And, um, and then I want to like, I want people to sharpen me, you know, I, I want to, I want people who will help me, um, continue to think about things in a different way or challenge assumptions and, um, you know, help me be more rigorous in my pursuits. But oftentimes I'm interested in like really weird topics and so most people don't care or they think I'm a weirdo for bringing it up. Uh, and so like on the other side of it, oftentimes people who are having those conversations are really like weirdo and I probably wouldn't hang out with them. And so it's just this sure. weird catch 22 of like, 
I don't really know how to, um, you know, I find people who, who want to have these conversations who are also like cool people to hang out with. It's like you're, 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 you're dipping your toes in different pools. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to talk to the people who are bathing in those pools, but you want to have people <laughs> alongside you that are willing to dip their toes in that pool. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. And also, too, I think that it's something that I don't think I realized about you until very recently that I never really understood about. And maybe that might have been a lot of the the tension in our own relationship over time um, was that the reason that you are willing to talk about things or that you want to talk about things. I never really knew this about you until recently that what you just said in the beginning of this episode where you said your ideal situation with a community is a group of people that wouldn't be offended by each other but the next the 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 the, the b part of that i think is also that the reason you want that is because you want to be able to bring something up and in the same way that you're not offending them they can say whatever it is that challenges what you're saying without offending you yeah and that way it becomes a fully utilitarian conversation <laughs> in, in so many ways, right? You're, you're, you're finding the best version of that thought yeah. by bringing a collective together to analyze it and poke holes in it from different directions. 100%. Um, and that's something that I don't know if I, I, a lot of the things that we've talked about over the last few years, we've come across topics where like you've done that but with things where like maybe it triggered my amygdala and i didn't respond that way i drew i responded emotionally instead of responding in a way that was analytical and um from that observing perspective and so i think once i realized that i stopped being that way and i started every time you say something i'm like is this how how does he want to be challenged with the way that he's saying these things <laughs> Um, but it, 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 honestly, it's kind of, it's way more fun that way to have conversations. Um, and I don't know if I've ever really had anybody in my life that I could do that with really. And, um, and also too, like, I probably like that. I know that my brother loves that. Mm -hmm. Um, he loves having conversations that challenge him and make, and make, and make him have to like defend whatever it is he thinks or not defend it and decide that maybe it isn't worth it. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I it, being in that in a place where you're I, maybe a different way of saying it is where everybody in the room is confident in themselves enough to hang on to or let go of whatever it is they think or feel or believe. Yep, exactly. And yeah, I would agree with that. I think that that's a really great place to be. And uh, will we ever find that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we're building it now. Maybe we're building it. Yeah. yeah who knows? Is that you? Tell us in the community. <laughs> Enneagram5.com. <laughs> never felt like I was in a community where I fit in ever and it's funny because I'm a twin which I do feel like I connect with her but even in her groups of friends I don't feel like I fit in and I have a very big family that's blended and I'm one of the youngest but then we have kids behind us and I kind of feel like there in the family structure there was sometimes a place for me but I had felt like the outsider kind of more like philosophical in some ways artistic in other ways and then I have this penchant to be able to be technical at the same time and some of those that technical still skills I think where my family would want me but I feel like that kind of creative desire that I have has been squelched and is, and and also that awkward feeling. I remember my stepdad would always want me to talk to people, new people at church um, and say hi, and I hated it. And I hate small talk. It makes me so uncomfortable. 
And then starting to be part of a new group makes me really uncomfortable. I think the reason why in all of this is that I have to really look around and understand where am I? Who are these people? What are they like? Is this safe? What kind of conversations do they like to have? How can I integrate myself? And I need that time to really take everything in and understand everything before I can say, okay, I know how to act here. Like reading the room, like reading a script in order to truly be myself and understand what actions need to be taken in order to kind of fit in. No, I definitely don't feel like I have a place or a community where I fit in. And I never have. I've never felt that way. I think my four wing makes it more obvious and more painful and more of a problem. <laughs> in terms of why, there's a multifold answer to that. One, I'm on the spectrum, so I have been diagnosed with autism and that there's so many reasons why inherently that just creates distance between you and other people because you either have to pretend to present neurotypically or you don't get to make friends. Those are pretty much the rules. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, I am a pansexual, so I'm gay. I am non-binary, so I'm trans. And so even within my own communities, not every gay group accepts trans people. And um, not every trans group accepts non-binary people. Almost no straight group genuinely accepts all of those qualities. And so I have just inherent natural reasons why people do not like me and it's politically definitely getting worse for me so I'm probably gonna move away from the country but that's definitely something that I have always searched for and something that is inspiring me to move is like is there a place out there where I can feel safe and happy and accepted and loved for all of these qualities that make me very very different I don't know I hope so I guess we'll find out So to your point, the going back what you said about um, trying to find like we're basically like battle testing like the best idea, and that's when I feel like most alive. Yeah, it, but I've not always been that way. Hmm. And and to your point, um, I had to get past my fear of coming across as incompetent. Like if someone asking me a question that I didn't know the answer to or poking holes in a, in a way that made me look like I didn't know what I was talking about. That took me a long, long time to get over. And, and that's, you know, I'll still have little triggers here and there, but I can at least recognize it and, and push past it and then grow on the other side of it. Sure. But that, that was the hardest thing for me for a very long time. Um, but, but now I feel it's kind of like becoming a superpower where I can evaluate things that I never would have thought about before because I'm not attached. I'm not holding onto things tightly. I have, I have strong opinions held loosely, right? Mm. I have, I have strong opinions about a lot of things. Right. Um, but I am as best I can be like open to changing that with new information. And, and sometimes I like, as we've talked about before, I will blow up my own model of something because I'm like, I'm, I want to try something else. And, 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 and so I'll yeah. do that to myself, but I think it's more fun when I have other people to do that with. I've done that in the context of, uh, it's the same reason that I love co-writing songs with other people. Yeah. It's exactly the same reason. I go into that mindset or I go into that space with the mindset that 
I want them to challenge and shoot down all of the ideas that I think are amazing. Yeah. Every time I'm like, I think this is, this would make money on the radio. And they're like, this is shit. I'm like, well, all right, <laughs> let's move on, I guess. And the, the, the willingness to throw that idea out is exactly the same context of exactly what you're talking about. And I think one of the things that um, I feel like I've learned the most in my current job that I didn't learn in any other sales job I've ever had is the power of knowing what the goal of your conversation is. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. something that I never realized, you know, I am, when I first got into this job that I have now in a tech sales job, I felt this incredible pressure to feel like I needed to know everything about the platform that I was selling. Mm -hmm. And as in my, in my position, that's not, that was not the goal of the conversation. And once I realized the goal of conversation was that I was just selling the meeting for the person who did know all about the platform, my entire perspective changed. And literally I have told so many new people that are in now in like, they just got hired for the position that I was hired in just six months ago. And like, I'm like, here, let me just tell you because they're all stressing out. Like, you know, I just feel like I didn't know. I'm like, here, let me just give you this little impart this nugget that I figured out. You don't need to know anything about the platform you're, you're, <laughs> you're selling. You just have to sell the meeting. Every time they ask you a question, you don't know, that's such a great question. You know, great time to be able to address that question in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just constantly figuring out, I don't have to know the plot. I don't, all I do is think about how to pivot to the meeting I'm selling. Yep. Um, get them to agree to a meeting so they can see the platform. That's all I care about. And so I feel like I'm becoming an expert at that one thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I want to, I want to pause here <laughs> and, and recognize how kind of absurd it is that we're both fives. And you have a sales job yeah. that you do cold calling, and I'm like uh, an executive, and like right. does it make any sense? Sure. And well, also I think part of that too is uh, because of the fact that we are the type of fives that we are. That I enjoy doing the things that make me the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Just at the end of the day, not in the moment. Not in the moment. I yeah. procrastinate and I put it off and I don't want to do it all week long. But when I finally do it, when I do the thing that I'm the most uncomfortable with, every single time I feel better about myself and yep. I feel more fulfilled and I feel more capable. And I'm like, I could, I could fucking conquer this world. Like I no, nothing can stop me. <laughs> and that's usually when I'm more manic. Probably. Right. <laughs> well, as, as right, you're saying yeah. that, I was just thinking about how I, I didn't realize this until recently. Actually, Amy pointed this out was when I get to a level, a certain level of competence in one thing, I'll start seeking out other things that I'm incompetent in. And so like mm. right now I feel really competent in my job. God knows why, um, <laughs> but I, I do. And so I, um, I started gardening right. and carpentry like at the same time. Mm. And I know like I did, it was fun. Like the initial phase of like researching a lot. I'm like, okay, okay, I think I've got this. And then I started doing, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I like killed a bunch of plants and like, I, you know, went to the hardware store and it was really funny. I, <laughs> I was, so I started a container garden and I did that because we're renting a house right now and we're looking to buy at some point. And I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to pick up and move. Mm when I needed to and not yeah. have to like, you know, leave a bunch of stuff planted here and started out with planting stuff in these five gallon buckets. And then I needed a way to kind of get them up off of the ground. And I, and, and then also let them, you know, for the stuff that grows vertically, put some stuff there to let them grow vertically. And so I decided I'm going to build these planter stands. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I, I'd done some, some 
carpentry type stuff when I was younger with my dad, but I've never done a project by myself. And in fact, I didn't even have any of the tools that I needed. So first thing I did was I bought some tools, <laughs> which I then ended up returning, like exchanging half of them because I didn't get the right things that I needed to begin with. Right. And then I, <laughs> and then I went, um, when I was finally ready to, to start building, I drew up my plans and all that. And I went to the hardware store and went to the lumber section and I was like, you know, I don't want to do two by fours because I feel like it'll end up being too heavy. So, um, I'll go with some like, uh, one by fours and, but since they're thinner, they need to be stronger. So I'm going to go, I'll get some like, um, oak. These, these look really good. Like these are some nice oak one by four. So, um, I'm loading up these like eight foot long, you know, one by four cedar planks onto, and I need like 20 of them. Mm -hmm. And I look at the price and it's like, it was like seven or $8. And I was like, man, that's going to be kind of expensive, but it'll be worth it. Right. So I'm, uh, so while I'm there loading this up, I've got it like almost 20 on this cart and this old guy comes by and he's walking by and he notices what I'm doing. He's like, you know, to you bring your bank book with you today. And I was like, I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that's, that's an expensive load right there. And I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not ideal, but it's not too bad. And then I realized that the price was by the foot. Yep. And not, so I had loaded up like a thousand dollars worth of lumber to build these like two <laughs> little planter stands. <laughs> yeah. That's the danger of, of building things is you always want, you always get more than you, you need. So he's like, here, let me show you where the stuff you wanted. So he like takes me across the store and shows me, hey, you know, these are the, these are Did actually. he work there? No, he was just some random, really random nice. He was, yeah, he was awesome. He like, he saw me. I told him, I was like, I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Which was not easy to admit, but like, yeah. you know, he, he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. And so he went and showed me what I needed to get and I got it and it worked out. I'll tell you. And it worked out well enough that when I saw the pictures, one, I was like, you can build things. <laughs> I didn't know this because they looked really good. Like, I don't know where you got your design, but it was good. I made it up. That was, it was, you did a good job. Enough that where I have shown multiple people the picture that you sent me being like, look at what my friend did. <laughs> we're, all, we're the same. I'll teach you. I'm an expert now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was impressed. Um, I, I showed Madison's parents and they were both just like, wow, that's an, and it, her mom was like, wow. So he went with the, he went with the, the, the gallon mobile approach. That's a good, like she was like, all you know, they're like big, big, uh, farmers, gardeners. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was, I was, uh, I was impressed for sure. So it was a good, good example. Yeah. So the, in the moment, it doesn't feel super great. And like, while I was building it, there were several moments where I just, I wanted to, to, to throw them in the garbage cause it was so frustrating. Mm. And, and actually my, my oldest son, who's, um, five about to turn six at one point, he was helping me at kind of different phases and I was, we were at the very end. So like basically the stands. Um, they're just made to hold up these five gallon buckets about, uh, like 18 inches off the ground. And, uh, and, and so I have a, a two by four running vertically below it, below all the buckets, but to add extra support, I got this wire mesh to, um, to nail down along all the whole bottom and to distribute the weight and kind of keep them from tipping and stuff. Mm. But to nail this stuff down, first of all, cutting it into place with wire snippers <laughs> took like 10 times longer than I thought it was going to take. 
Hmm. And then to nail them down, you've got like these little horseshoe looking like staple type things that you nail in. Yeah. And actually holding those and getting them to go in correctly and nailing them in was like I hit my my fingers several times and like I was it was <laughs> such a pain in the ass. And at one point, uh, I'm I'm having uh, my son kind of uh, he has his gloves on. He's holding the the mesh in place, kind of stretching it out while I'm nailing stuff in, and I'm just like getting like growling, getting so frustrated. And he's like, he's like, Dad. I think it would help you to stop and take three deep breaths. <laughs> oh, and man. what I wanted to say was shut the fuck up. <laughs> and what I actually said was, you know what? I think you're right. And I stopped and I took three deep breaths <laughs> and I did. I felt better and it went a lot smoother. So what you're saying is your, your kids are the reason you finished this project. <laughs> <laughs> they really are that. And like, otherwise stuff would have just been sitting in my driveway forever. And that was not working out either. So. Yeah. Um, but it was a good exercise in one, I finished it and I finished it. I finished something that was an idea that I just had in my head and I made it, I turned it into reality, which feels really good, mm. but it was really painful at points to try to get it there. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm super proud of it. I'm like sending pictures and like, I mean, you make it sound like it's the most amazing thing ever, but it's like, there's a really simple, but I'm, I'm, it's something that I, I built and it feels really good. And I mean, it's, it's simple. It, I, it really, be great. <laughs> it, I'm at that level in my life where I'm like, I, I don't know if I could have done what you did. Like, it's, I thought it was pretty impressive. I think also too, something about your story that really sticks out to me is the, uh, the fact that you relinquished the, uh, the expertise that you knew you didn't have to a stranger and the stranger helped you. Mm. I don't know. That's the, the, the videos, the, the viral videos that get to me the most on social media are the ones where strangers help other strangers for no reason other than to help them. Mm. Because I think, and that's probably because, you know, being a five, I, I think that we are oftentimes the people in that place that are helping other people. <laughs> I mean, it probably is the case, right? It's uh, like, uh, have you seen that episode of Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson goes into the hardware store? Yes. And the guy comes up to him and he's like, I know more than you and, and just walks up. Yeah. And usually I feel like we, we either, we either are that person or we long to be the person that when someone tries to help us, we're like, I got this kid. It, well, like, the first time, talking. the first time we saw that Amy was like, that's you when you go into Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. Or me when I go into a wine shop. Oh, um, now that I'm out of that world and that industry, I had that experience just two days ago where I went back into the store that I used to work at not that long ago. When we started this podcast, I was working there and no one there knows who I am, <laughs> knows that I used to work there. None of them do. Well, like two of them do, but like most of the time. And so I was in there and <laughs> my friend was with me and they were trying to tell him, I was like, you guys need to order more of this product. Like, I don't know why you don't have this on the shelf. And I was being the, I was also being the customer that I hated when I was on the other side of that <laughs> counter. And I, and I knew it in my head and I was trying to stop myself, but also because I know what it's like, I was like, you guys should, you really should have this stuff. Like, I know you should. And the person on the other side was like, yeah, well, you know, the reason why we don't have it is because of, you know, blank, blank and blank, et cetera. And my friend told me when I walked out, when we walked out, he was like, you looked at that person like you could have murdered them. And I was like, it's because I was thinking, I know more than you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, and so like, I literally have had that experience. Exactly. And I don't know if we meant to do this, but I think we kind of came full circle back around to the other part of belonging and community in that mm. uh, other people have to like to be around us. And what we just been talking about. 
That is it's the other side. illustrative of yeah. uh, how much of a pain in the ass we could be sometimes. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Like, how often do we think we're better than the other people? And that's why we, not only do we not want to be a part of a group, but maybe the group doesn't want to be part, well, want us to be part of them either. Um, and definitely that's the case. I still struggle all the time with being an asshole. Um, it's, it's a chronic condition. <laughs> it needs to be treated. Um, I did start recently going to therapy, so maybe it will be treated. I don't know. That's, I think that's the biggest challenge for me. If I'm in the right mindset and I'm in a healthy place and I'm, I'm feeling grateful for my life, I'm feeling positive about, you know, I'm trying to be present in the moment. And I recently bought a couple of books by this Buddhist monk that I really love. And a, one of the books is literally about being present. That's all it is. <laughs> Whole book about being present in a moment. And that's, that's the thing that I'm like, I'm kind of focusing on right now is like how to be present in the moment, because I, I believe that if I'm more present in the moment, I will be less of an asshole. <laughs> and, um, because I will be more appreciative of the people around me and what they do for me as, as much as what hopefully I can bring to the table for them, et cetera. And so if I'm in that place, maybe it's a little easier to be a part of groups that I choose to commit to. And hopefully they want me around. I think the magic of fives is that we can fit in anywhere. Granted, we'll never be fully known because of our major four-wing angst, but we belong to so many groups and have so many interests that we can belong in many places, which I think is one of the five superpowers. Do you realize that most people only know people from a few groups? I learned that recently, I was blown away because fives, we make friends everywhere. We know people in all different places in society. And as long as we participate and don't do the fly on the wall thing, we will belong to these groups. People like us in these groups. I have made so many incredible friends over the years by just connecting with people through these various interests that I have. I have made a best friend through a sewing group. We talk every day and we have supported each other through some really, really hard times. We vacation together and hang out together all because of this niche interest that I have. Another time I saw an amazing tattoo on Instagram by another niche artist and I learned that the woman with the tattoo lived in my state and wasn't far from my parents. We became friends, had lunch together, swapped some very niche uh, collector stuff with each other. And when my parents and sister lost everything in a tragic flood, this woman rallied her friends and gave me bags of clothes and supplies for them and even sent them money. That's five magic right there. Normal people would not have connected with someone on that level had they not had that interest and, and sought people out that way. I like that as fives, we can genuinely be interested in everyone and therefore find many places to belong. One of the things that we have as a strength, as fives generally, I feel like is a stereotype of ours, is that we have the ability to step out of any situation, look at it, analyze it, tear it apart, and put it back together, hopefully in a better version. I would say turn that on yourself as often as possible. <laughs> I do that to myself constantly and am always finding that in most instances where uh, something went awry with another human being, it was most of the time my fault. <laughs> or at least there was something that happened that I should apologize for. Um, 
I think that it's really, really, really easy for fives in general, and speaking just from my personal experience mostly, um, I feel like it's easy for us to feel like we're the ones who were right. We knew the absolute truth from the beginning, and they're wrong, and we have nothing to apologize for. And I'll just tell you right now, that probably has a lot. If you if you feel that way, if you resonate with what I'm saying, and you feel like you're right a lot of the time, it's probably why you don't have a community of people you're part of. <laughs> and that's really the truth of it. I mean, it just is. It, it was that that was that's a really strong part of why I did not have a community of people for most of my life. And it's easy, so easy to do that when you went to seminary and you're a part of a community of of people who are Christians who say nonsensical shit all the time. And you're like, I know more than you shut up. <laughs> so it's coming full circle from what I said in the beginning. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why I didn't have a lot of friends in the church. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it too, is cause I was willing to ask the hard questions and I was willing to get outside of the box and I was willing to look at things in ways that other people weren't. And that's an asset. And if you sell it as an asset and not as a hindrance to other people, they might just accept you a little bit better. Um, that would be that would be one part of it for sure. The other part of it is, um, as we have talked about before, we've talked about in 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 multiple episodes. Um, for for me, the 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 biggest change in my life that has happened over the last few years is figuring out how to feel things and not feel bad about it, or mm. feel like I need to apologize for those feelings to myself or anybody else. Um, it's okay to, it's okay to cry, which is as, as cheesy as it sounds, um, is absolutely true. Um, and I've, I'm still coming to grips with that. I'm okay with crying by myself. I'm not okay with crying around other people. <laughs> um, and I'm still getting there, but I know, but the, the conceptually, I know that it's, it, it is okay to cry around other people. In fact, it's, it's vulnerability like that with other people and shared with is actually a shared experience that brings you closer together with other people. Yeah. Conceptually, I know that, but to, to actually do it is a whole other thing. Um, do you want to schedule some group crying sessions? <laughs> I, I, I think that we've been, I think we've been inching towards that a little bit of time. We've talked about float <laughs> sessions. We've talked about doing shrooms together. We've talked about all of those things tend to have crying involved at some point. If you do enough of it, if you do it right, if you do it right, <laughs> maybe it's all of it at once, do some shrooms and then in a float tank. Um, I just recently talked Madison's mom into doing a float tank experience. She's doing it, um, in a, this week. Nice. And I was like, just, just, just be ready. And she was like, I'm going to fall asleep. And I was like, no, you won't. You think you will, but you won't. Um, but there's so many, there's so many, I would say, try to challenge yourself to be in situations that make you uncomfortable and be okay with it. And yeah. try not to be defensive. Don't respond emotionally in defensiveness. Um, just be, just be uh, grateful for the, mm. what the experience will teach you. <laughs> yeah. Whether you like it or not, you need people. You just do. And with more people that you can get along with, you get a lot more accomplished in life. And if this life is all there is that tends to be a high priority um, on the list of things that you can or can't do in your life. So you should probably have more people. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've really learned a lesson on in recent times is not judging a book by its cover. Mm. One of our neighbors, when we first met him, he, so we, we saw him in his yard, we waved and he didn't even really respond. He saw us. How dare he in the South? He saw us. 
<laughs> right? Um, yeah. He actually kind of built a little playground in his backyard for his granddaughters. Mm-hmm. And our kids wanted to go over there and um, and play. And the first time we went over, like, he barely talked to me. <laughs> like, I tried to strike conversation. Um, and it just seemed like we have nothing in common. Mm. Um you know, he, this is really awkward. Um, we'll never, you know, have any kind of neighborly relationship whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was, that kind of put him in that box, but our kids really, um, got along with his granddaughters. And so anytime you know, they go over there a lot. And so anytime they're outside, our kids want to play with them. So we would just, you know, we'd go over there more and I just kept trying. Mm. Um, I kept trying to find like things that he would be interested in talking about. And over time, well, I, I saw how he treated his granddaughters mm-hmm. and also how he treated our kids. And I could tell he like actually genuinely had a caring heart and, um, and that, and then he saw how we treated our kids and his granddaughters and I could tell he was softening up. And my interpretation now is like, he was just, he's one of those people who doesn't trust easily, mm-hmm. which is understandable. And so like, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're people who are renting a house across the street from him. Uh, it doesn't, you know, I, I get why he wouldn't want to just like open up and start talking to people, sure. um, you know, new people to the neighborhood. And then one also who aren't planning routes cause you're renting. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he talked about, I mean, he's been living in that house for, I don't know, like 20 years or something. Mm. I bet he probably thinks negatively towards whoever he, moves. Well, he's, house. he's talked about like, he's seen so many people come and go from the house and, mm. and all this yeah. stuff. And. Um, a lot of bias there, but now we go over there and we, you know, it's not like you and I talking, but we have like plenty of conversation and he, um, he's actually the one who kind of helped me a little bit get into gardening. Cause he has, um, um, a container garden in his backyard yeah. and I was asking him a bunch of questions about it. And I, I figured out like he was really interested in like, here he's really passionate about it. And so like, that's one thing I could get him to open up about. So I just kept asking him questions. And the more I asked him questions, the more I realized like, oh, he actually knows a lot. And, mm. and I was learning stuff from him and, um, and it was uh, something that like a shared topic that we could have a conversation around. And then at one point I was asking him about where to get soil because it's really expensive to buy bags of, of soil. I told him what my plans were and he said, oh, you can get, um, you can get this, uh, you can get soil up at this, um, nursery in Saudi Daisy and, um, or up in middle, middle Valley. And so I said, oh, I'd look into it. And then a couple of days later he said, Hey, do you want me to just go pick up a load for you? Can you pay me back? And I was like, cause it's like $47 to mm-hmm. fill up a truckload. So he went and picked up a truckload of soil and brought it over and like, uh, delivered it to our house. And he didn't have to do that. It was, and it's one, it saved me a ton of money and also saved me a ton of time. I, I would have never anticipated having the ty- that type of relationship with him when I first met him. Yeah. Um, and there's something about like, just living in proximity and continually, continuing to m- like make those touch points and make, you know, continue to reach out and continue to try. I think that that's really what we're looking for is what we're talking about is like other people, um, we want other people who are committed to trying, you know, to have that relationship and we don't just give up on people at like after first meeting, like we, mm-hmm. you know, um, I feel like that's really what's the essence of what community is and belonging. And I know for me also having a four wing that that's like, it feels like double the, the, the outside. Cause you know, as a four, I'm, I'm always thinking about like, um, how, how kind of unique I am and removed from, from the world anyway, on yeah. top of the fiveness. And so 
I the five is your ivory tower. The four is the gold plated <laughs> parts of it. <laughs> the custom mural. Paint yeah, exactly. The it's the inlay. <laughs> but one thing that I think where I want to leave this is, and my advice is that belonging is just a feeling, and your feelings are um, they come from your thoughts. And if you're telling yourself that you don't belong, you're going to feel like you don't belong. And sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you you just got to tell yourself that you belong and you'll start to feel like you belong. And because when you start to tell yourself that, what you're going to do is you start acting like you belong. And if you act like you belong, you're going to show people how much you care and you're going to ask questions and you're going to continue to commit to a relationship. And when you do that, it will be reciprocated and then you'll start to feel like you belong. And it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And the the places where, um, the times where I have felt like I belonged is because I was forced into a situation where I had to commit and, or where I chose to commit because of the outcome that I wanted. And in doing so, ended up forging bonds with people that I wouldn't have anticipated. And, right. and some of those are still lifelong friends. I'm one of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't think we were going to be friends when we met. (laughs) That's very, very true. But we kept trying. We kept doing it. Yeah. Well, and also too, we just got past that point where we, we, we let go of the bias, like what you're saying, right? Like we let, we let go of the preconceived bias of each other and just decided to be ourselves and we became friends and yeah, which is rare for 20 year olds to do um a lot of the time i feel like um and i you know and i would say too that um just as kind of a last thought here there's there's so much that we can learn from other people always right and like the thing that i think about when i feel the most engaged in a conversation is when someone is willing to ask such an open-ended and vulnerable question right off the bat. Mm. I love being asked a really hard question when I first meet somebody right up front, because I know that they, they mean business when they want conversation, right? Like they actually want like a real conversation. They're not asking how the weather is or what my favorite season is or my favorite color or whatever bullshit. They're actually asking me like where I come from, what do I believe in, blah, 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 et cetera. Um, and so a lot of the times when I ask somebody, like when I really want somebody to, to have a real conversation with me, I ask the most five question ever. What's the most recent thing that you've learned that you really love? (laughs) I love that question because people have to think about it. And then they go, you know, I was reading this thing the other day and then I'm engaged. (laughs) I do this with my brother and my dad all the time. I don't know if they realize this, but I know that they know more than me in pretty much every area of life, except for a few things. And so whenever I really want to engage in my dad or my brother in conversation, I just kind of ask what they've been up to lately and what it is they've been learning. And they cannot help but fall into that trap and start talking for hours. (laughs) Um, And so it's an easy thing for me to just kind of, and then it's also like the practice of just listening and learning because I love to learn, but sometimes you don't think about that in one-on-one conversations. You feel like you're the person who needs to be talking and the one who needs to be telling the information and not absorbing it. Um, which kind of goes back to incompetency um, and, and vulnerability. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes, it's, yeah, most of the time, especially for fives, probably we're finding out that maybe we're more aware of the other eight types and the fact that we're the most, I don't know if we're the most cerebral, but we probably are probably way up on that list, right? We got to be maybe top of the list as far as like 
in our heads the most. I don't know if that's the case. I'm talking out of my ass, but um, it usually feels that way though. And I feel like more often than not, we have this friction that we're having to overcome with other people's personalities where we're having to find, we're the ones searching for that connection and that weird thing that we have to like overlap our circles on and oh we have this thing in common we can we can talk about this thing whereas other people maybe they have their own issues maybe they're fine with not talking or maybe they're really easy with communicating with other people and and relating but what i really i love both things i love the person that i have to fight to find the thing like you did with your neighbor and i also love those times where we come into come in contact with somebody where and it's almost always they're a five too but <laughs> either way and i've had this happen very recently with two different people and they were both fives also um, a lot of times they're eights or sevens I either really love or really hate eights or sevens. <laughs> and um, I don't know what it is, but I can always talk to a five, a seven or an eight and usually find myself in a really engaging and really enjoyable conversation um, with strangers like in bars or whatever the situation is. And it's always those three types of personalities. But it's fun to have it's fun to have the challenging conversations where you're trying to find something, but because that's just uncomfortable. And I like being in discomfort sometimes when it and, ch- and giving being those challenging. But then you get rewarded sometimes when you get into a conversation and you realize it's just super easy to have a conversation. And I think that a lot of times, and maybe that's why this podcast works so well. And hopefully, we'll maybe build a co- a community of people that are all like we are, right? Like. <laughs> Um, and what I love about that concept is that we are not the type of people who want to create an echo chamber for ourselves, um, but are the people who want to challenge each other because we all know more than each other does about something. And so, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing. Maybe we'll, maybe this will be, um, the community that we really love, but I love finding those people in a party and a group of people where you're just like, we get each other. Like we, we're speaking a different language. Nobody else gets. Mm. And that, that happens every once in a while. And I remember every time that that happens and I always come home feeling this insane amount of energy. Like I'm not going to sleep for days because I just had the best conversation with the best person. Yeah. And you know, like, I think (laughs) that's, 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 we're all, we're all soulmates in this conversation and this podcast and this community. We're all the same soul (laughs) in different, different expressions (laughs) of the same soul, I guess. Um, so it's, it's a fun time. It's, it's, it's all a challenge. It's all an adventure and a journey. And we're just trying to figure out how to, how to different expressions of belonging. But yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, um, it's something that we do and something that we decide on and commit to. It's not something that we just feel. It takes a long time to figure that out. Yeah. So two big takeaways mm. from this conversation. If you're not a five, but you want a five to love you, ask them the question, what have you learned recently that you're really excited about or interested in? And hope that it's something that you're interested <laughs> in. <laughs> As you're up for two hours of complete boredom. (laughs) And number two, if you are a five, come join us at (laughs) Enneagram5.com. But seriously, like we are having conversations, we are doing things, and hopefully we'll be doing more things in the future. So yes, it's a shameless plug, but we are trying to create something really awesome. So come be a part of it. It would be awesome. And with that, see you next time. See you next time. Hey, it's Josiah, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. 
I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us in this episode. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com.